We consider how to approach FAB and who to target should there be a shortened season in 2020. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had the three O-Brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Friday, May 29th. I am Al Melkier. I am here with Derek Van Riper. In DVR, uh, it has not been a, a fab day in baseball, uh, to be sure. Uh, lots of news uh, that we'll be talking about at least a little bit. But uh, So we'll make it more fab by talking about fab, uh, I figure. Um, topic I don't think we've really talked about in, in quite a while, and in the event that we have a 2020 season, it's it's something we're going to have to think about a lot in, in a pretty short time frame. So why not get a head start on it? That's uh, that's my thinking. Um, before we do get to that, uh, let's talk a little bit about the news that's been going on in the past day or so. Uh, lots of minor league players have been released on Thursday. Uh, and apparently, uh, according to a report from Jeff Passan of ESPN, there are going to be more of these cuts to come. And, um, DVR, you and I were talking about this, uh, you know, before getting on the show here, we're both, I think, grappling with, uh, you know, exactly why this is happening in this manner. Um, what, what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, what this all means? I, I think this is just the beginning of something that teams were going to try and do before the pandemic hit in the first place, right? We already knew there was a proposal several months ago to reduce the number of minor league affiliates. More than 40 teams were potentially going to be uh, removed from minor league baseball in the not-so-distant future. And I think from an economic standpoint, there are some teams that simply won't survive not having revenue at the minor league level this season. So teams are, are starting to probably just say, hey, we're going to cut costs now because there's nowhere to send these guys this season. And even though it doesn't really amount to a significant amount of money for each major league team making these cuts, it's clearly devastating for the minor league players who are left without other options right now. And and the worst situation, of course, is uh, what is happening in Oakland where players are, are not being released, but they're also not being paid. And they're just completely locked in right now. So uh, it, it's ugly. I mean, this is... This is the absolute low point so far that Major League Baseball has hit in my adulthood. Uh, I was 10 years old when the strike happened in 94. So, you know, clearly that was probably worse since there was a full on work stoppage, but there will be drastic long term consequences uh, as it pertains to the health of baseball in the future, the interest in baseball, the number of kids who are multi sport athletes. Who choose baseball? I, I think all of those things are in in danger of falling off in the long run as a result of things that are happening right now. Yeah, and no, I mean, I think the impact is huge, and and for that reason, I would think possibly this is even worse than uh, some of the past work stoppages, uh, which is you know I don't mean to say that lightly at all, uh, but I, I just think that you know you're talking about perhaps the beginning of the end of the minor leagues and just all of the you know, collateral impact that that could have on, on baseball as a sport. It's, uh, 
like you said, it's um, it's it's. Well, I don't remember what adjective you use, but it is it's bad. <laughs> it's just bad. Uh, and and the fact that you know almost every team has been doing this. Each team you know releasing forty, fifty, or more players. And uh, the most probably compelling explanation that I've seen for it comes from the Athletics' Emily Walden. She tweeted this on Thursday. Agent telling me he heard one club release 50-plus minor leaguers yesterday, quote, so they can claim they're still paying guys, but actually threw a third of the system overboard to save what? Less than 300 k um, You know, so it's just the coincidence of the teams saying they're going to pay their minor leaguers and at the same time letting go of of so many minor leaguers uh it just seems it, it just seems like it can't just be coincidence but we'll follow that of course and and we'll uh, also be following the ongoing um uh issue with the 2020 season that uh you know we've got the owners making their proposals to the players earlier this week uh we've got the players association now according to uh, the athletics ken rosenthal and evan drellick that um they will insist on full prorated salaries and to propose a longer season uh, than the 82 games that the owners have proposed. So again, that's uh, the the latest that we have on that here, but that of, of course is going to be an ongoing story uh, in baseball. So DVR, let's get to the fantasy side of this and hope that somehow this all gets worked out uh, uh, in a better way than it, it seems to be going and that we'll have a season and, um, then, you know, if you're talking about whether it's 82 games or 100 games or, or more than 100 games, we're going to be dealing with a very different situation for FAB. So my question to you is, and I know if I, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but I need a refresher in terms of how you approach this. How would you normally approach FAB and what would change in a condensed schedule? Yeah, in a condensed schedule, I mean, if your budget is already set and for a lot of leagues, you can't change the rules, you can't lower the budget from, let's say, $1,000 to $500 because the season might be half as long. I think you have to assume that for players you want, you're going to spend about double what you normally would. And if you really want a player, you're probably talking about two and a half or three times the bid that you previously would spend. Uh, I think the most challenging part of this isn't necessarily increasing the bids to reflect having less time to spend. It's still going to be making decisions on players you're going to drop, uh, knowing that each game is going to have a greater impact. So whether it is a season that's half as long or almost two-thirds as long, you know, whatever, each game is going to matter more because there's less volume to balance things out over the course of the season. Uh, So I, I think the biggest thing for me is just being comfortable with whatever combination of metrics I'm going to use to evaluate hitters and pitchers on very limited totals of innings and and plate appearances because you know we have to act fast anyway to get some of the players who are playing a lot more than expected or showing new skills right away and now that urgency is going to be increased even further yeah absolutely and that's an angle i hadn't really thought about in terms of the the increased difficulty of deciding on who to drop uh because even with a let's say a schedule that leans more towards 100 or 100 plus games we're you know the in, in a normal season you get about a quarter of the way through the season and certain stats start to stabilize at that point so you know you can kind of afford to give players a chance um to prove or disprove whether their starts are, are going to be lasting for them, uh, you know, if they're going to be able to keep up certain paces, uh, that's going to be a, a, a tougher call to make because that 
that point is going to come, obviously, much later uh, in the season in, in terms of a, a percentage of the schedule. But I, I also wonder um, if it's a good idea to spend more up front uh, in, a, in a shortened season. Um, just because falling behind early, it, it's going to be harder to come back. Yeah, I think that's one case for it. And I think the other case I would make for spending more aggressively early is until we have some sort of indication as to how rosters are going to work. I mean, it sounds like maybe a 30-player active roster with a 20-player taxi squad is sort of the general idea of what MLB wants to proceed with. Are those 20 players in the taxi squad or any of them going to be allowed to join the active roster uh, in, in a way that resembles a previous September call-up. I'm operating under the assumption that that won't be the case. I think we're going to have fewer players getting shut down with injuries this year because more teams are going to be contending. So I just think opportunity late in the season for playing time is not going to open up the way it does in a normal season. Um, so that would be another reason to say, hey, there's probably not going to be as many players to spend on. Like Even within that statement, I think you want to have a little bit left over. You don't want to be down to zero, of course. You want to leave uh, a small percentage of your budget just to be able to make moves as you might lose some players of your own uh, in the final months of the season, final weeks of the season. Uh, I, I just I wouldn't expect the the trade deadline beneficiaries, the secondary guys that start playing more because someone got traded away. I, I would expect that to be a smaller number of players. I would expect what we used to get in September to be pretty much gone as well as far as new additions to the player pool. Yeah. And I feel like that gets overrated every year anyway, um, that the number of, of impact players that get added to the roster in September, just, it doesn't really make it worthwhile to, to save up for that. Um, that's my, you know, my, uh, feeling about that. Um, but let's keep the focus on the early portion of the season. And I went, put myself through a little bit of an exercise um, earlier today and went into our uh, Tout Wars uh, website and looked at players that were still on waivers that weren't, uh, that weren't drafted back when we had our auction uh, back in, back in March and uh, was surprised at some of the names that were, that were there. And these will be players that will go on my watch list as soon as we have any sort of word that that baseball is going to continue, follow them in spring training part two, follow them in the first week or two of the season, and really be ready to pounce if, if things are going well for uh, for certain players. Are there, is there anybody that stands out for you as somebody who may be available in, in some of your leagues that you're really keeping a close eye on? Yeah, I I've been trying to... Actually, in, in sites that have a watch list, I've been trying to use that a little bit because it's easy to overestimate the amount of time we're going to have to handle our first fab in a bunch of leagues. And that first one, if you drafted even in February and the season would have started in March, there's usually quite a few players who emerged uh, to have some unexpected roles, right? The guys that I'm most interested in, I almost feel like that list always skews more pitching heavy. Um you know, guys like uh, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, if I didn't draft them already, getting a better sense for what the Brewers are going to do in their rotation might steer me to pick one or both of those guys up in some leagues. Uh, so really, it's just looking for those job battle winners or potential job battle winners since spring training hasn't started up again, queuing those players up and, and being ready to go. But who did you find as you were looking through the, the Tout Wars pool? Yeah, and by the way, I uh, like that... Um 
point a lot in terms of uh, you know generating a list as spring training part two uh, goes on. But uh, again, I don't know necessarily that this would be somebody available in, in you know all of, of leagues of people listening out there. But uh, in our uh, Tout Wars Mixed Auction League, Aaron Hicks uh, went undrafted, and you know not surprising looking back to March that that would have been the case. But, you know, here we are about to head into June and all reports are that Aaron Hicks would be ready to go whenever there is a season. And that's, uh, I think that would be a pretty nice pickup in a 15 team league on fab. And I would probably go really aggressively after Hicks. Uh, another name that stood out to me was Jake Bowers. And I think that's a category of player that I need to look into more closely uh, as uh is you know we would ramp up for a season that you know Bowers was somebody I really liked a year ago or maybe now we're talking about you know a year and a couple months ago uh, I really liked him as a sleeper for the the 2019 season and he uh, you know he didn't wake up um, didn't have a good season but I think that the skills that he showed. Uh, in his first exposure to the majors in 2018, you know, those, those skills are, are likely still there. And, you know, I think it's worth looking at, at players like him. Another one that came to mind, Christian Stewart, uh, who I really liked as a sleeper for 2019 and had a very disappointing season. So players like that, uh, I'll certainly look to see what kind of role they would stake out for themselves. And if they get prominent roles, how they do with them in the first week or two, I'd say if they get off to a good start in, in week one, uh, they'd be really big targets for me in uh in the the fab run after that that first week and in terms of uh pitchers uh i've certainly talked a lot about merrill kelly um in regards to the season you've got that very crowded arizona rotation situation if if they wind up going towards a longer schedule or maybe a sixth or a seventh starter could have some value that's great news for merrill kelly um chase anderson He's just somebody that I always like and and feel is underrated. And I'm sort of coming around on Dakota Hudson too, because maybe he's young enough that there's some, uh, it's probably an exaggeration to say strikeout upside with Dakota Hudson, but maybe at least room for some improvement there while still getting those ground ball outs and um, helping you with ERA and wins. Yeah, those are those are some good names. And I think the other group of players I'd be looking at are NL players. If the universal DH happens, who's that next player in some of these situations that, that benefits the most? We've spent some time breaking down individual teams, but um, especially in like a 12-team mixed league, Austin Riley probably wasn't drafted in a 12. I think he was a reserve pick in the 15-team Tout Wars auction. If he wasn't, he's absolutely near the top of my list as far as somebody I would actually want now who previously didn't have that clear path to playing time. So uh, lots of interesting paths to uh, upgrade your roster early on this season. Yeah, I agree. And a few names in that vein as well. Jay Bruce, Matt Beattie, uh, Brian Dozier, who maybe could stand to get some uh, additional playing time with the Padres. And I think he's another one that falls in the category, not a younger player like a Jake Bowers, but somebody who I think maybe after a couple of down seasons could surprise with some additional playing time, Brian Dozier. So uh, yeah, I think there's certainly a, a lot of um, potential targets that you could you could find uh, just you know by looking at DH candidates to be sure. So, uh, anyways, you know this will certainly be something that we'll come back to when we know better when and if a season's going to start. But uh, you know, never too early to to start uh, thinking about who you might target and when to spend your money. So, uh, a little bit of a uh, change of uh, direction here. Um, 
we refer, in fact, earlier in the show, I referred to uh, a tweet from Emily Walden. Uh, I refer a lot to what I see on Twitter. It's where we get a lot of our news. And so I really enjoyed looking at the uh, piece that Andre Fernandez put together for The Athletic on 50-plus baseball Twitter accounts to follow right now. There are a lot of them that I don't follow, a few that I really didn't even know about. So um, uh, the ones that I do know are all great follows, and the ones I don't know probably uh, I would assume are too. So um, DVR, is there any particular favorite follow that you have? You know, I I was just browsing that list that Andre put together because I hadn't looked at it yet, and Justin Smoke's wife, Kristen, is on Twitter, and she has a, a picture of what I think is like a banana bread, like a whole loaf, <laughs> and the way it was cut by Justin. And I'm legitimately concerned about him as someone who might be worse at knives than I am. Um, that's saying something. <laughs> I mean, it, it, looks, that- it looks like a Tetris piece. Like, I don't know who cuts bread like that. I don't know if he's trying to limit his carb intake, so he's just taking little chunks off and... But there's nothing. I don't know what's going on here. That was it. Was very disturbing. I have to admit. Um, so, if for no other reason, definitely check out Andre's piece just to see that because it, it sort of defies belief. And it it reminded me a little bit of uh, a few years back when John Carlos Stanton. There was a photo of him that that was, somebody posted on Twitter of him eating a Kit Kat bar, just taking a big bite out of the whole like string of four Kit Kat pieces, <laughs> not broken <laughs> apart. And it was. It took a while to kind of get over that. Yeah, um, that's <laughs> an unusual way to eat that. Yes, it is. So uh, do check out that as our featured read for today. And that's going to be all for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a 40% discount off of a subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Also still running a 90-day free trial. So a couple of different ways to take in The Athletic, take in everything that's on, on the site. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be back here on Monday. 